The views and opinions of shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning into my radio show, Therapy in a Nutshell, here on KCNR, 1460 AM and 96.5 FM. Welcome. I'm Dr. Patricia Bay, and I do this radio show, Therapy in a Nutshell, to offer some help and some healing and some guidance to anyone who's listening or uh, Afterward, and the show is available on my podcast, and you can forward that to anybody that you think might help. The podcast is free. Listening in on the radio is free, and it's a good way to get some help. It's based on my 30-plus years in private practice as a marriage family therapist in Northern California and on my book, Therapy in a Nutshell. So today we are going to talk about a really interesting subject. It's about learning how to love yourself. And I want to I want to share the background of this concept a little bit with you. When I was writing my book, Therapy in a Nutshell, I was writing the chapter on self-esteem, and it kept getting awkward, and it wasn't coming together. And I I did the proverbial rip the paper out and crumple it up and throw it away, except for I was doing it on a computer. But it just wasn't working. It wasn't working, and I, I was frustrated. And I remember I, I did a lot of my writing in my book from 11 at night till 3 in the morning because I had two kids, and it was the only free time I had. But I remember sitting there about 3 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden it hit me that I had to separate out the difference between self-esteem and loving yourself. And once I did that and I began to recognize that there are many, many people who have good self-esteem, but they still don't love themselves. And once you can start to break that out and work on it, you can honor the fact that they have good self-esteem and they're very productive and they get things done and they're um, competent and they believe in themselves when it comes to certain things. And then you can work on what's in the way of them learning how to love themselves. So today in this show, we're going to break this out a little bit and talk about the difference. And I want to share with you a personal story that lets you see how profound this can be. I would say that, that I've been a person all my life who's been pretty confident and has had good self-esteem. And I could get things done and I got really good grades and I was motivated and I accomplished things. But I didn't love myself, and I didn't even know that. I didn't understand that. Um, And one day, I remember my kids were pretty little, so this is like 25 years ago, maybe a little more. And I remember I was walking down the hallway of my house, and I had a basket of laundry in my hand. And all of a sudden, the words came to me, I love you. I remember thinking, whoa, where'd that come from? Because I wasn't even thinking about anything particular. And I remember sitting down on the couch, and the words struck me again, I love you. And I realized that I was telling myself, I love you. And I remember I just started sobbing. It was a very visceral experience. It was, I couldn't even really put words to it. And I sat there on the couch just sobbing with this basket of laundry in my lap. 
And all of these awarenesses and awakenings came across me as I recognized that there was more to me than just being okay or being smart or being motivated or being driven or getting things done. This I love you had nothing to do with anything that I accomplished or didn't accomplish or what I looked like or anything. It had to do simply with this unconditional feeling of I was loved. And from a spiritual perspective, um, I always knew that God loved me. I never doubted that. And I always felt that I was forgiven. And I always felt like that God would love me no matter what. But that was very separate from me loving me. And a lot of people don't want to separate that out. But in my practice, I see that often. People will have good self-esteem and they, they believe in themselves to get things done and accomplished. And they'll even have a spiritual belief system that says, I am loved or God loves me. But they still don't love themselves. And until I was able to totally separate these things out and isolate the idea of how do we learn how to love ourselves, the healing couldn't really happen. So when it happened to me that day, walking with the laundry basket, I was blown out of the water. And I really had to sit with it. I sat there on the couch for quite a while. But I also had to sit with the concept and the awareness that I had never, ever felt that about myself before. And then I watched this transition begin to to grow in me, that I could love myself no matter what failing I might have perceived in myself. And it was an interesting journey. And here's the other interesting thing. I could have told you I love my husband, I love my children, I love God, I love my family, and I love them unconditionally. But did I love myself? No. And so on in that exact moment, I learned that I did not and that now I did. And the perception change in me was profound. And I would say that it changed my life. It was the beginning of me getting ready to write the book, Therapy in a Nutshell, to help people begin to transform into this concept. So today in the show, we're going to talk about what exactly is self-esteem and how is that different from loving yourself and how can you know where it is you need to work? Do you need to bolster your self-esteem and your confidence? Are you already good at that? And you need to learn how to learn to love yourself, which is letting go of hating hating yourself. It's the best way to say it, I guess. Letting go of judging yourself. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to stop growing or stop trying or stop trying to be the best person you can be. It means that you're going to stop beating yourself up with a hammer. And you can still grow and change, and it's it's really kind of beautiful. But doing it without the condemnation frees you to do a whole lot of things. It's a powerful, powerful journey, and I really want some of you to take that journey here today or begin to look at that you need some help doing it. So let's look at the idea of what is self-esteem and what is self-love. Why are they a little bit different? With self-esteem, you can be a very capable, confident person. Uh, Let me give you an example. I've done a lot of work with people with eating disorders and 
morbid obesity and things like that and people that really struggle with their weight. And I will often see a person who feels very competent in their work. They know that they get things done. They're creative. They're well thought of. They're the ones people turn to to plan the potluck at work or to plan the business meeting or to uh, carry on a project. And they know they're good and they're capable. And when you're talking about what they do, you'll hear them say things like, yeah, I, I think I'm a good mom and I'm, I'm really good at work and I can head that project and do a great job and, and I feel confident in my life, in the things that I do. So their self-esteem is good. Their self-confidence is good. But this same exact person might have sat there in the morning beating themselves up for feeling overweight or their hair wouldn't go the right way or they're not pretty enough or smart enough or they're not as popular or they don't have as many friends as they should. And so the same person who has good self-esteem and good confidence with what they do does not have a lot of confidence and love for who they are. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about what is the difference between self-esteem and loving yourself? And how do you build both separately and then together? So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back to Therapy in a Nutshell. And today, we're also going to be giving away a book and a CD. And be listening in, because I'm going to tell you when to call in. The phone number is 530-605-4567, and we'll call in maybe in the next segment. Thanks a lot. See you in a minute. Hi, I'm Sharon Clark of Home Helpers. It's amazing to look back at all the families we've touched since 2004, but our clients say it best. I want to express my deep appreciation for the love and support you and your... So fortunate to have an organization like Home Helpers. You never know how much your contribution meant or how greatly you touched our lives. Thank you so much for helping me care for my husband. After hearing what it's meant to them, I truly can't imagine doing anything else. When you need help for your loved one, choose Home Helpers. There is no place like home. The average adult has issued 32 troopers that with proper care and just a little discipline should serve you well during your entire tour of duty on this planet. They're called your teeth. But when your platoon gets out of line, holes in the formation, or other problems, you need to call in an expert like General, uh, Dr. William Farrell. With decades of experience keeping those troops in line and executing their assigned duties properly and dependably. If you'd rather not be there while he reestablishes order amongst the troops, Dr. Farrell offers sedation dentistry. He and his highly trained staff will whip your troops into shape without any discomfort. And having served himself in both the Navy and the Marine Corps, Dr. Farrell offers special consideration to veterans. Let him take the best care of your platoon of teeth, and they will serve you always. Call 547-5757 or visit palosidrodentistry.com. At ease. And for a limited time, Dr. Farrell is offering x-ray, exam, and cleaning for just $175. Call 547-5757 to schedule your visit. We all had friends and family that were affected by the car fire. Most of the cleanup is done now. A lot of families are looking at rebuilding. If you relied on a well for your water system, it's important to assess the condition of your well and its capabilities to be able to meet the demands of new construction codes. I'm Ted Ogilvy with Diamond Core Drilling. We've been providing water well systems and pumps in Northern California since 1980. Let us help you with your rebuilding process. That's Diamond Core Drilling, 275-8162. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. 
I'm smiling because that's me playing didgeridoo on Randy McGinnis' CD, The Journey. It's a great CD, and we're going to be giving it away in just a little while. So that is track eight from The Journey, and that track is called Hope. And that's me playing didgeridoo, and that's Randy McGinnis playing Native American flute. He is an amazing Native American flutist, uh, many times award winner for the Native American Flute Awards, and has played all over the world. We're going to be giving away his CD, The Journey, today in just a little while. So uh, welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. I wanted to tell you that you can listen to this show on when we're all done. You can listen to it again on my podcast, and you can get that podcast either on iTunes or Spotify, or you can download the Anchor app, A-N-C-H-O-R, the Anchor app, and tune in to Patricia Bay, Dr. Patricia Bay, Therapy in a Nutshell, and it'll come up and you can listen to all of the past um, shows and everything. Uh, you can also go to the archives of this radio station, KCNR1460.com, and click on the archives and you can pull up my shows. So, all right, we're going to be talking more about loving yourself and how to do that. And at the end of this segment, I'm going to give away Randy McGinnis' CD, The Journey. And then at the end, toward the end of the show, I'm going to give away a copy of my book. Okay, so we're talking about the difference between self-esteem and self-love. And I want you to picture your two hands out in front of you, and they're clasped together, like um, you're sitting with your hands folded in your lap. This is how I used to think of self-love and self-esteem, like they were one and the same. Now, break your hands apart and put both palms up. And let's say over there in your left palm is your self-esteem, and over here in your right palm is loving yourself. They're not the same thing, but they go hand in hand and go together. So break them apart, because for this show, we're going to talk about the difference. So first, let's talk about what's in your left hand. Let's talk about self-esteem. It's interesting that we think of self-esteem as being, often we think that it's how people think of us, how they view us. Do they view us as competent, confident, um, are we good at what we do? Do we believe in what we do? Do we go through the world feeling like we are uh, showing the people that we are confident? So let's look at what would be kind of a beginning level of self-esteem. Someone who is either young and either learning or you're just now kind of stepping into yourself. In a beginning level of self-esteem, there's kind of feelings of inadequacy and feeling unimportant. You might feel like you're kind of low-functioning in your personal environment. You might have trouble making eye contact. You might feel that you um, are just a little bit inadequate. So people that come into therapy with those kind of feelings might say to me, I have really low self-esteem. As a therapist, I might be thinking, wow, this person needs to work on their self-esteem. They just don't have much confidence. So then as you begin to get a little higher level of self-esteem and you develop a little bit more, and maybe this is because you're young, like maybe at 13, 14, 15, you don't have much self-esteem, but maybe you're starting to really step into yourself as you get a little bit older. And, and also this can happen at any age. I've seen 60-year-olds start to step into themselves, so it doesn't matter how old you are. But when you begin to develop some self-esteem, there are some hesitant feelings of success. You're beginning to feel self-respect. You kind of function well in your personal environment. You're making eye contact with people that you trust, you're stepping into yourself a little bit more. There still might be some hesitancy, but there's a sense of coming into yourself. 
more than what you had before. And then as you really begin to advance your level of self-esteem, there's feelings of accomplishment and success. There's self-respect. You start to feel respected by others. You feel pretty high-functioning in your personal environment. You begin to make really good eye contact with people, and that reflects your self-confidence. Now, there are people that have trouble making eye contact. Um, for example, people on the autism spectrum, and they have trouble making eye contact because it is a sensory, overwhelming feeling to them. So know that there are exceptions to every rule. I know many Asperger people, we call them Aspies, uh, that are on the autistic spectrum who have very good self-esteem, but they have trouble making eye contact due to sensory issues. So just know that for every rule, there's an exception. So in this self-esteem kind of hierarchy we're talking about, you can get more and more confident in yourself. And here's something I want you to hang on to. In my 30-plus years in private practice, and as a mom, and as a woman, and as someone with a doctorate in psychology, I can tell you that the absolute most attractive thing is self-confidence. It's not your weight. It's not how tall you are. It's not your education. It's your self-confidence. And if you stop and look around at the people that you admire most, it's probably the ones that have really good self-confidence. It makes you trust and believe in them and know that they're capable, and that is extremely attractive. Okay, so that that kind of breaks down what is self-confidence. If you don't have self-confidence, that's a place to begin working in therapy. How do I feel more competent in what I do? How do I um, build that self-confidence, the ability to talk to people or express myself or make eye contact? How do I display my capabilities in the world? That is self-esteem. That is self-confidence. So that is a place to work. Now, once you have really built your self-confidence, or if you're a person coming into therapy with really good self-confidence, then I'm looking for, do you love yourself? And it's interesting when I ask people that question, because I, I usually kind of, they're mind boggled when I say it. They're looking at me like, huh, what? And I often get a response like, well, yeah, I, I, I do really well at work, or I'm a good mom, or, you know, I get responses to their self-esteem and how they are in terms of their competence in the world. When I really try to get them to state whether they love themselves, I almost always get a, uh, I, I don't know, I never thought about it before. Or sometimes people laugh and they say, I know way too much about myself to love myself. And they are a little self-deprecating and they think that's kind of funny. And I'm thinking, well, can we love ourselves even when we've made mistakes, even when we've done something stupid, even when we've had to learn from our past? Can we still love ourselves? Are we allowed to love ourselves? Let me give you an example. Um, I often deal with people who are trying to decide whether to stay in a relationship or leave. And the other day, um, this wonderful young man talking to me about his relationship and should he stay or should he go, and and he was very conflicted about it because he really cares about the person he's with. And he didn't want to hurt this person by leaving. And when I said, can you see this relationship lasting a lifetime, he shook his head and said, no, no, it's not right. And there's too many problems, and it's not—it's just not right. 
And I said, so what's the reason that you're not leaving, even gently and lovingly and kindly? Um, he said, well, I, I care about this person. And I said, well, do you care about you? And he just stared at me. And I said, you're telling me you love this person, but it's not right and you know you're going to have to leave. You're not confused. You just feel really badly because you love this person and you don't want to make that person hurt. And he said, yeah. And I said, but do you love you? And he just stared at me. And I said, is it okay to love you as much as you love the person you're with? And he said, I guess not. And I said, why not? He said, I don't know. And it was a real beginning of some deep work. Because it's okay for him to love the person that he is saying, I need to leave. And do that gently and lovingly and kindly and honestly. But the real problem here was that he loved himself enough to do what he needed for his well-being and for his future. And it was easier for him to sacrifice himself than to think of hurting the feelings of someone he cared about. So we explored that. Do you stay in this relationship for a lifetime? Or do you stay until you can orchestrate some kind of fight or something that makes that person leave you before you leave the relationship? And he said, well, that wouldn't be very nice. And I said, no, but that's what people do. They don't want to feel guilty by being the rejector. They feel less guilty if they're the rejectee, and they orchestrate that somehow. And he said, yeah, I guess I kind of thought about that. And I said, you know, what if you loved yourself enough to say this isn't right for me, and I have to find a kind and gracious way to leave this relationship? And so then we had to enter into all his fears. What are you afraid of if you leave? And he had to admit that he didn't think much of himself. And what if this was the best he was ever going to do? And what if no one was ever going to love him better? And what if he was alone the rest of his life? And what if he was so sad that he couldn't handle it? And what if it was a big, stupid mistake breaking up with this person, even though he knows it's not right for him? Should I stay? Should I stay? Should I stay? Because I'm not good enough and no one's going to want me. So his lack of loving himself projected all over his choices for this relationship and what he should do next. And so the therapeutic session went into why are you lovable or not? What is it that you hold on to that doesn't allow yourself to treat yourself with the same thoughtfulness and kindness that you want to treat this other person in the relationship? It's difficult to figure out that a relationship isn't right for you. And it's very hard to stand in your truth and leave in a gracious and kind way. There's a, another podcast called Stand in Your Truth that I did. Look, look back further in the archives and get Stand in Your Truth, and that will help with this issue as well. But the true issue was, was this young man worth loving to himself? So it was a very powerful session, and he had to really sit with it and decide what he wanted to do. So... I want you to start to look at the difference between self-esteem and loving yourself. And in the next segment, I'm going to teach you this really cool thing that I call a self-esteem cycle. And it is one of the building blocks of self-esteem. And it is also one of the building blocks to stepping in to allowing yourself to be exactly who you are and loving yourself. 
So I'm going to give you a, a way to write this down and kind of draw it. So right now, if any of you would like to call in and win a CD, you can win Randy McGinnis's fifth CD that he did called The Journey. He obviously is how you say it in Cherokee. And it's an absolutely beautiful CD. You can call one 505 And the first person to call in, you speak to my producer, Jared, and you will win the CD. Be back in a minute. Purpose-driven banking. That's the vision behind the founding of Five Star Bank in 1999. Services inspired by partnership and defined by shared vision and goals. Five Star Bank, a champion of local economic development and community stewardship. Your success is their success. Now that's smart people doing good business. In a world that's both more connected and more isolated by high tech, Five Star Bank brings you a personal touch to small business banking, cash management, and online services. Five Star Bank, consistently rated among the very best by industry associations, rating agencies, and of course, customers and partners just like you. Your partner in success is Five Star Bank. FiveStarBank.com. Visit your local branch at 358 Hartnell and Reading. Progressive, professional, personal. That's Five Star Bank. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. February 22nd, 1982. Joe Martino opened Orchard Nutrition Center with a simple philosophy to be able to have the choices available for a completely healthy lifestyle. And to this day, Joe and the entire Orchard Nutrition Center family have kept that promise for 37 years. Orchard Nutrition Center in the Cypress Square Shopping Center, Reading. What is happening in the state of Jefferson? Every week there's a new chapter. To find out, listen to the Jefferson State of Mind program. Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on KCNR 1460 a.m. with your hosts, Wynn Carpenter and Terry Raposa. To catch up on past broadcasts or to listen anytime, go to KCNR1460.com and click on the archives link. The time has come for 51 in a Jefferson State of Mind. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You are listening to Agasaga, which in Cherokee means rain, and that is track number one from The Journey. Congratulations to Nancy Viali. You have won a CD. I'm so glad you called in, Nancy. Uh, we will have the CD, The Journey, waiting for you here at the studio. Okay, welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and we are talking about loving yourself. This is the difference between self-esteem and loving yourself. They're both very important, but they're very different. And so we're trying to break that out. I had you put your hands together like you're holding your fingers clasped together in your lap, and that's self-esteem and self-love together. Break your hands apart, and you put self-esteem in your left hand, you put loving yourself in your right hand, and we're looking at them as two separate concepts that really complement each other and go together. But it's important that you look at the difference in this for yourself. So right now, you break out your piece of paper and your pen, and I want you to draw a circle. And up at the top of the circle, I want you to write self-talk. 
Okay, self-talk. And then draw an arrow kind of down around to the right on a circle. And I want you to write self-esteem. And then under that, or past that, draw another arrow around the circle. And I want you to write real performance. Okay? So this is one way that your self-esteem is really affected. Let's talk about what self-talk is. Self-talk is that little voice in the back of your head that is telling you how you are and who you are and judging everything you do and saying all this stuff to yourself. And that is a very important factor in how we are because your self-talk directly influences your self-esteem. How we talk to ourselves in our head is a real basis for how we feel. And then go around the circle a little more. And self-esteem directly influences your real performance. That's how you actually act in the world. Not what you intend to do, but what you actually do. So let's look at an example. Let's say that your self-talk sounds like this. You're getting ready for work. You're looking in the mirror, and you're going, oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know if this outfit's okay. Does my butt look big in this outfit? Oh, look at my hair. Oh, I hate it when I can't do anything with my hair. Okay, fine, fine, whatever. It doesn't matter what I look like. Oh, yes, it does. Okay, crap. All right, maybe I should change. Okay, no, this is all right. Just let it go. Stop. Stop thinking about this. And this is what your head sounds like. All right? You're kind of saying this in the back of your mind. A uh, family member walks by and you go, does this outfit look okay? And they go, yeah, fine, you look great. And you go, okay, thanks. And you look back in the mirror and go, I should change. That's your self-talk. So then... When you've just had this whole little diatribe in your head, looking in the mirror, how's your self-esteem? Do you feel confident? Do you feel good in yourself? Do you feel like you should go in your closet and try on 20 more things? You don't feel that great because your self-talk has basically just spent a good 10 minutes putting you down. So your self-esteem is lower. Then your real performance. You go off to work. You feel kind of crummy. You, you're just kind of low. And then you wonder why you're kind of hesitant and not very confident at work. You're in a downward spiral because you are tearing yourself down. Let's do a whole other example of how self-talk influences self-esteem, which influences real performance. And it, what's interesting is I want you to recognize that how you talk to yourself is not how you would talk to your child to your best friend, to somebody you cared about. You probably wouldn't talk that way to your worst enemy, okay? You're probably laughing because it's true. All right, so let's give another example. You have a kindergartner, and she's heading out to school for the first day of kindergarten. And you say, honey, it's your first day of kindergarten. You're going to have a great day. Now, remember, you're really stupid, and you're really ugly. And, you know, you've got a really crummy outfit on, and don't forget that you have a funny nose and your ears stick out. And when you get to school, you better be quiet because you have a really weird laugh. And when you laugh, kids won't like you. So just remember to get to school and keep, keep your head down, keep your mouth shut, and just kind of hide back in the corner because it's really people are kind of scary and they're not going to like you. And just remember that. Have a good day, sweetie. Would you do that to your five-year-old? No. You'd say, oh, Dr. Patty, that's ridiculous. Why would I say that? 
But that's the type of stuff we say in our own heads to ourselves. We tear ourselves down. We think it's going to make us be better. It's going to make us follow the diet or uh, do harder work on the paper we're writing for school or pull up our performance at work. We think that negative self-talk is going to increase our performance. Negative self-talk makes you feel rotten about yourself, which makes your real performance suck. It's that simple. Just as if you had totally torn down your five-year-old and expected her to go off to kindergarten and have a great day and make friends, you just ripped her to pieces. How is she going to have any kind of self-confidence? It's interesting when we take it out of ourselves and look at a separate example like that. Would we do that to our children? And we know unequivocally we would not do that. We say, no way. I would never do that. You couldn't make me do that to my child. Okay, then why do we do it to ourselves? So the way to influence our self-esteem is not to change our real behavior. It's to change our self-talk. So let's look at a dieting example because most of us can grab onto that. If, you're, if your self-talk says you're fat and ugly, I call it the F and U's because it sounds like a really good swear word and it fits. The F and U's, the fat and uglies. If you've got the F and U's and you're constantly saying that to yourself, your self-esteem is going to be, I'm fat and ugly. I don't believe in myself. It's, I'm embarrassed to be in this body. Your real performance is going to not be to eat healthier or to go get your exercise in or to honor your body and yourself. It's going to be to want to eat three pieces of chocolate cake. Okay, the whole chocolate cake. And that's what happens when we feel rotten about ourselves. We don't feel like doing better. We feel like hiding. So let's change that. Let's say your self-talk is very real, very sincere, like you're not telling yourself you're perfect, you don't have to do anything, but you can say, look, I'm doing the best I can. I feel really good when I get my exercise in. I'm eating as healthy as I can, as consistently as I can, and I can feel myself doing better, feeling better, and I like that. It's empowering to me when I do that. So your self-esteem is better. You even sit up a little straighter when you talk like that. Then your real performance is to continue that good work to which it goes back around to your self-talk again to say, wow, look, I did a great job. That's how you do an upward spiral of your self-esteem and begin to feel better about yourself. Now, let's put self-esteem aside. That's how you build self-esteem. Listen to your self-talk and watch things change when that little voice in your head starts to become kind and loving. But let's talk about how loving yourself has nothing to do with any of that. Do you love your child? Do you love your best friend or your sister or somebody that's close to you that you admire and that you are close to and you would never, ever abandon and leave? Do you love that person? Do you love them even if they make a mistake? The answer is most likely, yeah. I have people I love that have made lots of mistakes and we've worked it out and I've, you know, they've asked for forgiveness or whatever it is it took to get it back on track. That's that unconditional love. So you probably already know how to love others. But what I hear people say about loving themselves all the time is, ah, God, I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I, I've hurt people. Um, I don't know if I'm worthy of being loved. And they hold back on themselves. The basis for this is often that we have been taught that the way to parent ourselves is to be very negative, condemning, critical, demeaning, 
and to hope that that's going to make us want to do better. So the idea of saying I love you, just pure and simple, not based on anything, is foreign to us. Not as foreign when we look at our children. Can you look at your child and say I love you? Even if the kid has learning disabilities or is handicapped or has a problem, um, has made a mistake, has hurt your feelings, has lied to you, you can probably still look at your child and say, I love you. That's unconditional love. It doesn't mean you don't want better for that child or that child to learn things or to change their behavior or learn by their mistakes. You can still want the best for somebody and love them unconditionally. So let's change that over to how do you begin to love yourself? It starts the same way. It is not about things being perfect or you having never made a mistake. It's about changing your perception of what it means to love yourself and how you can move forward with that new awareness and that increased wisdom that you're getting about who you are and how you're going to be from this time forward. So stop and take a look right now. When I ask you, do you love yourself? What do you answer? I can tell you from experience in 30 plus years in my private practice, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, yeah, I love myself. They usually look at me like I'm kind of crazy because they hadn't stopped to think about that. And if they have thought they love themselves, it's been extremely conditional. They've had to fix something or do something different or be more or um, step into some kind of uh, super awareness, spiritual place of all beings are worth loving or something like that, which is fine. But I'm talking about this one-on-one relationship you've got with yourself. Are you worth loving? The answer should be yes. And why are you worth loving? Simply because you are. You haven't had to do anything or be anything or look a certain way or make enough money or have the best relationship or the perfect children or a great car. It's not about anything outside of you. Are you worth loving? The answer is yes. And it's that simple. And this is a shift in perception from I've made mistakes. I'm a human being. I am here on this earth. I am part of the perfect love of the universe. I am part of what God created. Whatever spiritual framework you want to put it into, you are worth loving. And it has nothing to do with your self-esteem. You can love yourself and still be building your self-esteem and creating awareness for yourself to be greater and more than you are. And that's powerful, very powerful. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to kind of get this honed down so you can begin to take the journey into shifting your perception to loving yourself. We're going to go to break. 
a jewel of the North State, a place we love to go and love being members. The view, the best in the North State, from the restaurants, meeting rooms, and of course, on the award-winning 18-hole golf course, Riverview Golf and Country Club. It's the place to belong. Go in and meet the friendly staff today or go to their website at riverviewgolf.net and find out about their introductory memberships. Riverview Golf and Country Club, corporate, social, tennis, fitness, and golf. Get it all. Become a member. It's affordable and fun. Riverview Golf and Country Club. SST Oil on Wyndham Lane in Reading, your source for specialty fuels and oils, including kerosene and low-sulfur fuel oil. They feature Toyotomi heating systems and on-demand water heaters. Save $100 on a new Toyotomi home water heater and ask about special savings for residents affected by the car fire. Locally owned SST Oil, supporting the community through summer fires and winter snows. Stay warm and cozy with Toyotomi and SST Oil. 241-1167, 241-1167. Founded in 1995, GI Pathology is the only physician-owned laboratory in the United States dedicated solely to the practice of gastrointestinal and liver pathology. The company provides the highest quality GI pathology diagnosis made exclusively by one of our fellowship-trained gastrointestinal and liver pathologists. GI Pathology delivers results to its Northern California client base within an industry-leading 24 hours. Call 888-2-GI-PATH or go to www.gipath.com for more information. Uncle Bob, where did Mount Shasta spring water come from? Well, you see, we get wrung out of the clouds as we pass over the top of Mount Shasta. Then we become part of huge glaciers. Then we flow through miles of volcanic rocks. Then we pop out of a spring at the base of Mount Shasta. Uncle Bob, where did I come from? Uh, you'll have to ask your parents about that one. Pure and simple, naturally the best. Mount Shasta spring water. For free delivery and setup, call 1-800-922-6227. Or go to mountshastaspringwater.com. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are listening to the beautiful Native American flute music of Randy McGinnis, multi-award winner for Native American Music Awards. It's played all over the world. And that is, is his fifth CD, The Journey. He Asa'i is how you say The Journey in Cherokee. You can go to Randy McGinnis's website, randymcginnis.com, and click on all six of his CDs. You can listen to him on Spotify and YouTube. Also, just type in Randy McGinnis. So you are listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, Dr. Patricia Bay, and we are talking about loving yourself, which is a very simplistic and difficult concept all at once. There's a really cool quote. Oh, God, help me to believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it is. It's by Macrina Wiedercare. And I just think that's a beautiful quote because we can often see the beauty in others and believe it. But when we see that beauty in ourselves, we tend to doubt it, question it. We think we're not being humble. We're stroking our own ego. And so we tend to treat ourselves the same way when it comes to loving ourselves. We don't want to because we feel we're being bad if we do or not humble or we will stop growing and changing. So, we need to allow ourselves that shift in perception. It's, it's interesting because as you begin to love yourself, it's not like you have done anything or fixed 
anything. You have simply shifted your perception that you have become one of the beings in this universe that is worth loving. And the really good news is you probably already know how to do it. Stop right now and think, who do I truly love in this world? Do I love my children? Do I love my dog? Do I love my parents, my friends, um, my spouse, my partner? Who do you love? Pick a person or two or five. The more people you can say you unconditionally love, the richer you are. And unconditional love means that you love this person even when they've made mistakes, even when they need to make amends, offer apologies, change their behavior. It doesn't mean that you become blind and stupid. You can still want these people that you unconditionally love to grow and change. You can still set limits and boundaries on their behavior. But you love them unconditionally. You're not going to stop loving them. And this is a concept I'm saying that we can begin to have for ourselves. That day that it hit me like a ton of bricks, I love me. It was bizarre and eye-opening and a huge awareness and shift in my perception about myself. And ever since then, it was like 25 plus years ago, I started doing therapy different with people, differently. And I helped them begin to see the difference between self-esteem and loving yourself. So as we step into this awareness, let's look at the concept that we have to forgive ourselves for past transgressions. And forgiveness is actually kind of a moot point because, and I'm going to do a whole show on forgiveness, but Let's say that forgiveness is about understanding where something needed to be learned. And I'm going to give you a good example, because in this day and age, in this culture, we have decided to start to punish people for stupid mistakes they made many, many years ago. And I can tell you, everyone I've ever seen in my office has a do-over list, me included, of stupid stuff I've done in my life that I think, I wouldn't do that again, and I hope nobody knows about it, and I really hope there's no picture of something those things somewhere that's going to come up and go, ooh, look who Patty was 50 years ago. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be sad. <laughs> I'd be scared. Um, but all of us have a do-over list. So I want to share with you something, an awareness that I made. When I was really young, my mom gave me the belief that women were catty and women didn't make good friends, and you had to be careful of women as friends. And I think this was based on several good friends of hers had gossiped or burned her or whatever, and she developed the view that women were catty. So her, she kind of raised my siblings and I with the idea that you can make friends with women, but don't ever trust them. So I didn't even really realize I had this belief system. But going through college and stuff, a lot of my friends were guy friends, not a sexual relationship with any of them, just close friends. They were, I trusted them. And one day I was in a practicum in graduate school and I stated that women couldn't be trusted and they didn't make very good friends. And I was kind of spouting off my belief, not really even thinking about it. I was young and stupid and talking too much there. And I remember this woman leaned forward in the group circle and she looked at me and she goes, I really resent your remarks. She said, I am a woman and I'm a really good friend. I'm trustworthy. I'm kind. I keep confidences and I'm just as good a friend as any man that you might be friends with. And I remember it was like a ton of bricks were dropped on my head. And I remember looking at her and going, oh, but somebody ripped off my blinder. She did in that moment. And I had to sit there and think, why did I even say that? Where did I get that from? Do I really believe that, that women aren't good friends? And it was 
almost traumatic because I I was thinking, what's going on here and where did I get this belief? So I, I remember getting silent for the rest of the group and then I just sat with this, like holding it in my hands for at least a week. And I remember going back to the next group meeting the next week, the next practicum meeting, and I pulled her aside and I said, I want to thank you for what you said to me last week. And I apologize that I hurt you when I made my comment. You opened my eyes to something that I didn't even realize I believed or how I believed it or whether it was true or not. I had just been raised to believe that that was true. And I have now sat questioning that and realized that I do not believe that and I don't want to believe that. And I'm grateful to you for ripping the blinders off. And she and I became good friends. But in that moment, I realized that from before that moment, I'd been really ignorant and prejudiced against other women, and I didn't even know it. And from that moment forward, my blinders were ripped off, and I had to really explore where that belief came from and why I adopted it and why I thought it was true. And did I believe it was true? So moving forward, I had a total shift in perception of people. I stopped really judging people, whether they were male or female, and started judging them as whether, not even necessarily judging them, but started looking at them as whether they were trustworthy or not and why. But the important thing was, at this age now, many, many years later, if I look back at that young and ignorant, I was probably 22, 23 at the time, if I look back at that young woman, and judge her and tell her that she was prejudiced or mean or try to say that Dr. Patricia Bay is very prejudiced against women because of something stupid I said when I was in my early 20s. That's really unfair. It's unfair to society and it's unfair for how wisdom is accrued. I can own it that that was a very idiotic thing for me to believe and say, but I didn't know any better. And as I learned and grew and was able to own that that was an unwise choice to make in the world, I would say that I became a better person, a wiser woman. It helped make me a better therapist. But if somebody tried to judge today's Dr. Patricia Bay by something I said in graduate school many, many years ago, it would be unfair because you're not allowing yourself to have grown and to have wisdom. So let's look at the same thing for each one of us. Look at mistakes you've made that you could throw out to me and say, this is why I don't love myself, Patty. I was stupid. I hurt somebody. I broke the law. Um, I did really bad things. And I would say, what have you learned from that? Have you grown from that? Have you changed? And if the answer is no, then that's where we start. How do you grow from the mistakes that you've made? What do you do differently? If you say, oh, yeah, I don't do that anymore. I, I totally grew and changed. I I made amends to the person or the people that I hurt, and I'm, I would tell you I'm a wiser, more developed person now. That is what matters. It doesn't matter who we were. It doesn't matter who we were as a people a century ago because we are wiser and more aware now. What matters is who we are today and how we behave. So when you're looking at loving yourself or not, and if you're holding a transgression against yourself, hold that and say, have I learned? Have I changed? And even if the answer is no, you still have work to do. You're still making those same mistakes. Are you worth loving? 
And the answer is yes. You are worth loving simply because you are. For no other reason, simply because you exist. Each one of us is worth loving. Each one of us is worth learning from our mistakes. And we are worth growing and changing and becoming more. And that has nothing to do with stepping into the shift in perception that you are worth loving. So after we've worked on our self-esteem and we try to grow and change and get better about that and develop our self-esteem, and then we really look at are we worth loving and stepping into it, then we can stop and say, I'm working, I'm doing, I'm growing. I love myself and I have changes to make. I love myself and I'm not perfect. I love myself and I can still work harder on eating healthier or my education or doing more at work or being a better parent. I love myself, period. It's a very powerful and extremely incredible shift in our perception. When we don't love ourselves, when we put conditions on it, we are existing in a place of fear. And it is our fear that we will have lack or we will not get what we need or we will change in a bad way. And so the main reason for not loving yourself is usually that you are deeply afraid. So you are worth loving simply because you are. So I'll tell you a little technique I did a long time ago. It's almost embarrassing. But every once in a while, I would call my voicemail. And I would just say, I love you. And I'd hang up. And then the next time I heard my voicemail messages, I'd hear myself saying, I love you. And I'd smile. Sometimes I'd be embarrassed. But it was a reminder to enter into that shift of perception that I can love me. You can love you. And it doesn't matter. Do it now. You are worth loving just as you are. You have been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, Dr. Patricia Bay. You can go to my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or the Anchor app, A-N-C-H-O-R app. You can download it on your phone. And right now, if you want to call in, I am going to give away a copy of my book, Therapy in a Nutshell. You can call 530-605-4567, area code 530-605-4567, and I'll give away a copy of my book, Therapy in a Nutshell. Congratulations to Nancy Vialli for winning the CD, The Journey. So let's go forth, everybody, and heal the world one hour at a time. News from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.